a look at college football news, analysis, and insight from around the Sunshine State. This is Florida Football Insiders, a part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And here's your host, Jason Powell. Welcome back, fans, to our Week 6 edition of the Florida Football Insiders Podcast. We are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Thank you, Steve Carney, for the fine introduction as we move into almost the halfway point of the college football season. Hard to believe we're almost uh, halfway home here in the college football season as we start the month of October. Uh, we've got a good episode for you this week. Remember, uh, the College Football, College Gridiron, Coast to Coast Podcast Network. we got podcasts from all over the country. Pac-12, SEC, LSU, ACC, Big Ten. I cover the state of Florida. So we got all your big, we got a Big 12 podcast as well. So definitely uh, find us on, on the different podcast platforms that you're listening to us. And check out the uh, College Gridiron, Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Thanks to TJ Reeves for kind of spearheading this project and allowing uh, me to be one of his hosts. And I really enjoy doing this for TJ. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all of our uh, listeners down in throughout the state of Florida. Anybody that's been affected by Hurricane Ian, I know you know down in Southwest Florida, the Fort Myers, Naples area, a lot of a uh, lot of problems down there with uh, the storm kind of rolling right through that part of the state. With hitting it very, very hard, putting a lot of people uh, in, in a tough spot as far as living conditions, electricity, all those kind of things, a lot of destruction in that part of the state, as well as here in the Tampa Bay area, in the Orlando area, a lot of rain, a lot of flooding, things like that. Fortunately, Tampa, kind of the Tampa Bay area was kind of uh, spared somewhat. Uh, many people thought it was going to hit the Tampa Bay area, and it did uh, veer down more, a little further south. But, again, lots of flooding throughout the state of Florida. Just want to give, again, just want to give a shout-out to all the people out there. Hopefully we can provide a little uh, a little solitude and a little, you know, get your mind off of what you're going through. Maybe look, listen to some information and knowledge about your favorite co- upcoming football team. We've got two great guests for you. Uh, this, this podcast, remember, is sponsored by Beefo Brady's. Uh, over on Himes and Bush Boulevard here in the Tampa Bay area, over in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area, Hank's Barbecue, uh, Home Slice Pizza Company, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our realtor, Star Alvarado. They are all uh, helping bring this podcast to you as well. So, um, And again, uh, we have a good podcast for you. Got head coach Jim Levitt back for his Coach in the Kicker segment. Uh, we're also going to talk to Joey Johnston. Joey's the sideline reporter for the University of South Florida, a longtime media member here in, this, in, in the Tampa Bay uh, market. Uh, we're going to talk some USF Bulls, Jeff Scott a little bit on the hot seat. And, again, we're going to talk lots of different things with uh, Coach Levitt, a couple more coaching uh, vacancies this week around the country. We're going to talk about uh, Florida State losing. We're going to talk about Miami. We're going to talk about um, – UCF has an interesting game on Wednesday night of all nights. So again, we're going to talk lots of good things with Coach Levitt, and again, Joey Johnson. We're going to really get 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 in depth about the USF program, and we're going to talk to Joey about all things in the state of Florida as well. So enjoy the episode. And again, we're thinking about you down in Southwest Florida. Hopefully, um, 
If you can afford to donate, uh, please donate to the cause for those people. Those Lots of those people are going to need some financial help down there. So if you can afford to, uh, go online and figure out a place that you want to donate a couple of dollars if you can afford to do it or volunteer your time to help the cleanup effort and all the things that are going to be needed in, in, in the state of Florida with this devastating hurricane, Ian, that came through. So also want to give a shout-out to the people in South Carolina, North Carolina as well. I know there was some damage there. The, the storm gained steam and uh, re-entered land up in the South Carolina, North Carolina area as well. So those people as well. So, uh, again, reach out to me on Twitter at JPO Sports, J-P-O Sports is the Twitter handle. And, again, uh, our we also have a – again, find us as part, again, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Uh, as well as you can find this podcast, Florida Football Insiders, on your on on your favorite podcast platform. Again, tell your friends about us. We're talking all things state of Florida football. Got a lot of stuff going on, and we as we move to the halfway point of the college football season. So we'll be right back in just a minute with Coach Jim Levitt and the Coach and the Kicker segment. Have a great week. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra $125. Put $200 in, you get an extra $250. So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know... You are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. The Powers on Sports, Florida Football Insiders, and No Quarter Given Podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue in Tampa over in the Forest Hills, Carrollwood area. For all your catering needs, group events, reach out to Beefo Brady's. They can definitely take care of you. If you want to go watch some football on a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday night, I definitely recommend Beefo Brady's corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue on Northdale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue, and Home Slice Pizza Company, which is also right next to the Beefo Brady's on Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. So for all of your football watching needs or catering needs, whether it's barbecue, pizza, or Beefo Brady's, reach out to TJ Maloof and tell him the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. All right, fans, welcome back to our Coach and the Kicker segment. We are in week six, college football season. Hard to believe. We are almost at the midway point of the college season. We've got into October now, and uh, we are back with Coach Jim Levitz. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing good. I'm sorry about the glasses. Just had an eye appointment, and my eyes are dilated. <laughs> yeah, you look good, man. You look good. I can't, I can't see as good. I have to wear the glasses today. No problem at all. No problem. We just want we we love your insight. Everything good. You made, <laughs> made made it through the storm, okay? 
Yes, uh, no problems at all. Very, very fortunate. And I have a number of friends that are in Fort Myers and Cape Coral area and, yep. and uh, Naples. So it really uh, breaks my heart for them. All of our thoughts, of course, go out to all those people and all the yeoman work people are doing to help get that area back at least manageable and livable again. I know there's a lot of, lot of, lot of tough situations down there, but you know, we're just trying to give you a little, try to provide a little, uh, a little levity for you and a little, uh, some good, uh, get your attention away from what you're going through here by listening to the podcast. Hopefully you get a little information out for your team, your favorite team around the state. So, all right, coach. Well, um, it happened again this week. We, we've had several this year. We had two more this last week, two more coaches, lose their job. We had Paul Christ at Wisconsin, and then we had Carl Durrell out at Colorado, a place I know you know well out of Colorado. So just talk about those two situations, anything you, you know, can you just just the general thought of, again, making a coaching change midseason like this, especially at a place like Wisconsin, kind of, I don't say it came out of left field, but that's a kind of a, that's not how they usually do business up there at Wisconsin. Well, you know, things have changed, certainly since I started coaching. You know, it's, uh, you know, you don't have much time. You know, you've got to win, and and the money is so much that uh, that people are moving a lot faster. Do I like the state of the way things are right now? No, I don't. You know, I, I think that um, people should be afforded more time than they can do. But, you know, Carl was at Colorado for, I guess, third year, and he hadn't won a game. And, right. um, and quite honestly, they, you know, they might not win a game this year. They're showing a lot of progress, and – you know, um, Rick George is their athletic director. And, you know, when we were there, we won uh, 10 games the one year. I was only there two years. Uh, the first year won four. They had had a winning season for like, I don't know, forever. Um, since really, um, you know, Bill McCartney was there. And right. what a great success he had. So they're all kind of leaning on that national championship year they had. And, uh, and Colorado's a beautiful place, and they should be able to win. You know, it's, it's just uh, – they certainly should be more competitive than they are. Uh, so that job's open. And Paul Chris, a, a good man, I really like him. I know his brother, his brother Jeep Chris, uh, coached with me with the 49ers. Right. Our quarterback coach and had, um, uh, you know, uh, was a re really good coach, really good person. Um, the defense coordinator, uh, Leonard, Jim is Leonard, a yep. uh, pretty hot name right now. Yep. Not so sure Wisconsin didn't do that to protect Leonard. And to keep Leonard because he's their interim head coach, right? I'm I'm kind of thinking that they might they made that move quickly because they want to keep Leonard there, and possibly hire him as a head coach, right? Uh, I don't I can't talk for them because I'm not there. I sure. I went up and visited Wisconsin um a number of years ago uh, when the head coach that's now Cal was the defense coordinator there, and you know again I know that program well, so it's um, but yeah, you know a number of a number of jobs opening again and probably going to continue to happen through the next number of weeks it seems like and this is just from a fan's perspective down here watching wisconsin over the last couple of years especially they've just kind of never adapted he paul was always an eye formation very you know pro style offensive guy where so many of the teams obviously in the big 10 are going to the spread and that kind of stuff and just it seemed like the the and then, and then, and then, of course, this weekend you lose to Bielema, who used to be the head coach at Wisconsin, pretty soundly when he's at Illinois. Now it just seemed like they—I don't know whether they didn't adapt, didn't want to, didn't have the personnel. They didn't shift at all towards kind of the modern day football and offense, especially. Well, but they had success, right? You know, right. Yes, and you know, with the run game, 
And, uh, and because they did that, a lot of people weren't uh, ready to face that kind of offense. And, you know, I haven't watched Illinois, but I'm assuming and thinking that Bill was probably doing the same thing at Illinois, running the ball. But what was surprising was Wisconsin only had like two yards rushing. That seemed strange. I didn't see the game. Right. I didn't that, that really stood out because that's just very unusual uh, for that to happen. And then certainly for Bielema to, um, to go in there and, and beat him when he had, when he yeah. used to be there and Alvarez to, you know, has a lot of clout there and right. you know, Wisconsin and, and, um, you know, I know Barry was at Iowa and, you know, I was at Iowa at one time and it's just, um, you know, I, you know, things happen for various reasons. I don't know. Right. Right. I mean, Crystal, Chris is a good, great coach. He'll get another job at some, whether it's the next year or the year, you know, he'll get another head coaching job somewhere for sure. Cause he's got a, like you, like you like to say, he's got a really good resume and he's got uh clout and all. And again, Wisconsin, and we've talked about this coach. If you don't have the, if you don't have the electric quarterback, it's going to be hard. And Wisconsin didn't have an electric quarterback. You know, they didn't have the dynamic guy at quarterback that could make up for a, a day when you don't run the ball really well. He, he does, Their quarterback doesn't seem like he has the ability to win the game by himself without a big running game behind him. Well, I don't I don't know their personnel as such, you know, uh, but I just, you know, I cannot believe they only got two yards rushing and everybody's talked yeah. on that one. It's, uh, and regardless who your quarterback is for that style of offense, you, you, for what they do, they've got to be able to run the ball. And, you know, you, I mean, to get shut down like that, again, I, I didn't see the game. You know, I was watching. You can only see so many games right. on the week. But uh, that that was the big stat that really stood out. Oklahoma. What has happened to Oklahoma the last two weeks? My gosh. They got yeah. destroyed by TCU down in Fort Worth. And, I mean, give TCU all the credit. But, man, Oklahoma two weeks ago to where they are today is is night light, night and day. Well, Brent's a very good coach. You know, he wouldn't have got that job if he didn't have quite a resume. And he's 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 a really a, a great coach. He's really a good person. He's gonna yep. he'll do he'll do everything he can to get that program uh, going the way Oklahoma is accustomed to. Right. They got Texas this weekend, you know, and it doesn't get any easier. And they got to play defense, and he knows that. Um, and now they lost their quarterback, and they lost a number of injuries. And and then you got Sarkeesian at uh, at Texas got beat by Texas Tech. So you're you're going to have two programs that have to win this game, right? Whoever doesn't win this game is going to have a lot of heat on them. Yep. Now Brent's first year, uh, Sarkeesian's is I think his second right. year. Yep. So um, <clears throat> I don't believe either coaches and trouble of losing their job it's just credibility and kind of where they're um you know it's a high stakes anymore with all the tv money and the and the people that are moving from one conference to another and right it's it's a big deal certainly and certainly at oklahoma and certainly in texas so it's gonna be a hell of a game be interesting to see how that plays out and and give credit to um you know saying uh who i was with last year at smu at, at tcu's done a good job um We'll see how TCU, how good they really are. We'll see how good they are as they get through the year. Uh, they've won their first three games were games that they should win. They really weren't playing anybody. Oklahoma was legit. You know, you 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 beat Oklahoma. They're at TCU, so that helped a little bit. But um, so we'll see. I, I don't know if we'll, we'll know yet how great TCU really is. He's got to play a few more games. We'll see.
Let's 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 talk one more feel good story. Then we'll get we'll get all into the state of Florida. Let's talk Kansas and Lawrence. What a job they're doing! Five and zero. College game days coming to Kansas. You know, it reminds me kind of a similar circumstance of what you did at USF. Building that they were down, 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 and they he's built that Le- Leopold. You, I don't know if you know him or not, but Leopold has really built that program in the last. You know, he's taking his lumps, and now they've got a pretty good team. We've got a good quarterback, and they're five and zero. I mean, you got to give him all the credit in the world. You know, I mean, this guy's done some amazing things everywhere he's gone. I believe he was at Buffalo mm-hmm. uh, before. And uh, Brian Borland is their defense coordinator who played for me at Morningside College. <laughs> and when I first got into coaching, my first job was university. Well, I was a GA at Missouri, but then I went to Dubuque, Dubuque Spartans and Morningside College Chiefs. And Brian was a safety for me. So I'm really – it's really kind of fun watching that, and uh, you know we'll see how that all all plays out. And um, but Kansas has done a very good job uh, so far. No, where, so where is where is Morning? How did how does Coach Levitt start his career at Morningside College? How does that come about? Uh, I'm not sure. Still, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played at Missouri, and and uh, a guy named Don Birmingham called me to offer me a job at Dubuque, and then uh, Tim McGuire was head coach at Morningside College. And after, uh, at, you know, Dubuque was Division three and Morningside was Division two. Yeah. So we had scholarships. And they hadn't had a winning season. George Allen, if you remember that name. Yeah. That's where he started his coaching career as Morningside College. Wow. And, in fact, George Allen, before he passed, came into a game. We, we titled it the Corn Bowl. And George came in and, and uh, was in my office. That, that We had a game that night, and he was in the office about four. And he, he, we start drawing up the 46 defense on my court. <laughs> and, and George Allen looks right at me and says, Jim, I want you to run this, this defense tonight. <laughs> Allen, I have great respect for you. And, man, it's a great defense. I don't think I can get it in in the next two hours. <laughs> but some people that, that heard of George Allen, that, that was pretty neat to be able to be in yeah, the same is. room with George Allen for a while. Yeah, and then yeah. I – played an all-star game with his, his uh, son who became an, you know, a GM, uh, Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen and, the, here in the Buccaneers with, with coach Gruden here at the Bucks and the Raiders and Washington for a long time. Yep. Right. So I guess no Bruce and an all-star game I played in, but we could go off on tangent. So we had got to get, we got to get locked back in. <laughs> <laughs> the coach is always in you, man. We always got to stay on schedule. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get to the state of Florida. So I want to start with it with, I want to start down at FIU. Give FIU some credit. They had a big win over the weekend. Nobody thought they were going to win maybe one game this year, but they've gone. They went on the road, won a tough game out at you know New Mexico State. They were a couple touchdown underdog. A guy you know, Mike McIntyre. You know, talk about. Let's give let's give FIU some 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 props. Well, you know, I I, I it did surprise. First of all, I don't know why they scheduled that game to go all the way to New Mexico State to play. It's a whole lot of travel and money, and. uh you know, New Mexico State's got a very good head coach, you know, and um, uh, they haven't been very good. New Mexico State haven't been very good for a very long time. I believe they'll get more competitive. Uh, FIU should win that game, but the travel uh, is, a, is a long ways, and uh, you've got to give them credit for winning the game, especially the week before they got beat 73 to nothing. Yes. By Western Kentucky. Yep. And the only game they – one was against what Bryant or I, I don't know. Division who two in overtime, week one in overtime, like 36 or something like that. But 
um, you know, so you got to give him credit because New Mexico State's got a very good head coach, and and he's and he's and and he, you know he's really legit, and to travel all that way and to win the game, yep, uh, you got to give him some credit there. And and obviously with the storm preparations last week and all down there in South Florida as well. So so give Coach McIntyre again his first year as a head coach down there, trying to rebuild that program. And again, good for those kids that they got a good win like that. And no, and they're going to struggle. They're not going to win a lot of games right. this year. Right. Aren't. Uh, but so at least they got a couple, and they might be the only two they get. Right. Right. All right. Let's go to Florida State. You know, Florida State Wake Forest. We thought this was going to be a good game, and it turned out to be Wake Forest wins the game, thirty-one twenty-one. What a job by Sam Hartman. We talked about Hartman last week as kind of be the difference maker. I mean, the guy made some big throws on third down. They ran the ball well. And in that program, Dave Clawson is just doing a tremendous job at Wake Forest. He's done a great job. And when I was over at Florida State for a, a brief stint, uh, you know, going to Wake Forest and seeing, you know, playing there and uh, the kind of offense they run, I'm telling you, it's hard. And he's got – a very good quarterback, and uh, they beat Florida State. You know, and if Florida State's got to be a little careful now because they go to NC State, yep. that's going to be a very tough game. Then they have Clemson. Yep. You know, so they could be looking at losing three in a row if they're not careful. Of course, they're not going to look at that. They're going to look at just we need to do all we can to beat NC State, and that's it. And um, But Florida State is, uh, you know, they've gotten better, but, um, you know, they still got a ways to go. And it's – you know, LSU, they're very fortunate to get that game. And, you know, I, I, I just – I don't know how good Florida State really is yet. You got – you know, they're getting close to midseason. Right. You got more games to see. You know, I mean, the state of Florida, it's interesting with Florida, Florida State, Miami. And, um, you know, nothing like it, it was back in the day, you know. and uh, uh, yeah. But Florida State, we'll see how they do against NC State. Big game for them to come back now. When They need to win NC State to – shows some more credibility absolutely no you're right because because they're still in the mix for the division title if they win this game but if they lose this next game this there'd be two two conference losses they'll be in a little bit of trouble to have any viability to win their to win their side of the of the and and obviously the clemson game then becomes not nearly as important as it could be if they were to win nc state so um you know we mentioned it defensively for florida state they're not quite there yet i mean they're they're getting better but they're not there yet defensively and their offense is not as dynamic as it needs to be, they got a good. They got good players, but they're not quite as dynamic as they need to be. Again, that's a game they should have won, in my opinion, against Wake Forest. Well, Wake's pretty good. They had Clemson. That's beat. true. You're right. People that would debate you on that one because uh, you know Clemson was lucky as can be to get out of uh, uh, overtime, right. a double overtime win, I right. believe. And um, I mean, Wake's a legit team now. If we're talking about the teams that Coach Bowden had back in the day, right? Yes, but we've got to be honest. Florida State is not the Florida State, yeah. You know, that was that, that you know when they won the national championships and won you know ACC all those years in a row. They're just not the same team, and they're a they're a good team right now, but they're not a great team. And you know, uh, you know, so they they've still got work to do. And Wake's a good Wake's a very good football team. Give them credit. Give them credit for sure. All right, listening to the Coach and the Kicker segment. I'm Jason with Coach Jim Levitt, looking good in his Miami Vice sunglasses down there. <laughs> he just uh, had, a little, had a little dilated eyes, so he's looking good wearing well, his sunglasses. Right. I, I won't normally be like this. You look good, man. It's all good. It's, it's We're in Florida, Coach. It's still, yeah, it's still right. sunny and 85 out. Right. 
All right, let's talk. Um, let's get let's go do let's go to USF. They lose another one, 48 28 to East Carolina. They played down in Boca at FAU's campus. I want to talk about the slow starts because they continuously get off to these slow starts where they're behind big, big double digits, big numbers early in this game. Is there anything from a coaching perspective that you that you know are they do they need to change their pregame routine? What they do, I mean, what are what's what what's the root of why they come out so of teams, not just USF, but teams in general come out so slow in the first quarter? Well, I don't know with uh, South Florida because I'm not there, right. so I don't know. But there's obviously you said change something. I'd probably change everything. Um, I mean, they were behind forty-one-seven at halftime, and you know that's just. I mean, East Carolina's a good team now. You know they they uh, they had NC State beat. Yeah. Uh, Navy beat them, but uh, it was 23-20. I mean, you know, East Carolina's a good football team. Yeah. And uh, I'm not so sure South Florida's good enough to beat them, but you just don't want to get beat like that. And those players and those coaches, they know that. Uh, you know, they've got to – you know, I, I don't know. I don't know they're – you know, you've got to come out. you got to, you got to come out playing really good football right away. And I don't know – what is there the something you guys can do in the pregame warmups or in you know the more I mean the morning of or is it just you gotta I mean or is it the pregame message you give them I, what 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 allows teams to come out and play really well to start with or really poorly like the Buccaneers for example you were at the Bucks game they've struggled early in the first quarter this year on defense for the Buccaneers I mean is that just a a, a mentality or what 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 creates those lulls. Well, mentality has has a lot to do with it. Your leadership, your confidence, you come out how, how you play. Your play calling early can be a, a big factor there. And um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've not come out that bad like that against a situation like that. So, but I know I would be looking at everything we were doing and yeah. try to change whatever we were doing, you know, to prepare. Uh, I mean, every bit of it. But obviously, the players weren't ready. Right. You know, part of, why were they playing at FAU? That's the first thing I'd ask. Right. You know, I, I, if I was coaching there, that I and, and that's probably why I wouldn't be there. <laughs> First thing I, I I would debate that pretty hard. You got a home game, and I know they're checking the hurricane out where it was going, but you're looking at about a four hour drive there. I guess it took a minute to get there because everybody was leaving the area, but somehow, uh, somehow that that all that started off bad. Right. And then FAU, they don't draw down there at all. Right. And um, you're not going to get hurt. I'll bet there was nobody in the stands whatsoever. And you had to prep your players about that because playing in that environment is different. It is. It's just different. So you're looking at two teams, both away games, and this should be a home game for South Florida. So the first thing administratively and all that, um, I know they're trying to be safe. They're trying to make sure that everybody's careful in what they're doing. I, I get that. But somewhere along the line, that they, they need to look at how they came about that decision, the timeline and all that. I know they spent a lot of time with it, but that, that, that's, that's hard for you to, to get your team ready to go down to Boca and play there. And um, so they got work to do. They, they go to Cincinnati this week. and Yeah, no easier. Good football team. And then, you know, their homecoming game is Tulane, who – Beat, beat what, Kansas State, State? Oklahoma, and Kansas State's good, and then they beat Houston. Yeah, so these are good teams that are that are playing, you know, and you know, similar schedule to what we had when I was there. You know, you just you, you better come out, you better 
play your behind off from the get go. It's hard to win. You know, you got to work at it. Yeah. If you're now, if you're obviously in the position they're in record wise, we're almost at mid season. Are you in a situation coaching wise where you're giving guys, maybe your second team guys more reps? I mean, how do you, as far as distributing the, the reps a little bit more to see if you got somebody that maybe you haven't given enough reps to, how do you, as far as, because you got to make some lineup changes, something. What do you guys? What do you? You know, when you're when you're struggling, do you give more guys opportunity in practice with the first team, things like that? Play the guys that are playing their ass off. Yep. Okay. Here's the language. Yep. Play the guys that are playing hard. I don't give up. Raps behind right now. Right. You know, you forty-one seven at halftime. Right. I'm I'm getting with that staff. And if there's anybody that's not laying on the line, he ain't playing. Okay. I don't care, I don't care about talent right now. Right. I, I'm going to play. Everybody plays hard. Now, what's amazing is how they go to Florida, and they really beat Florida. They had a game. And then they then the Louisville game. And, the you know, it, it showed one thing. that Florida definitely wasn't ready to play. Florida didn't play very well at all. Right. And, and South Florida played at, their, at the highest level. It yeah. shows that any one game, if you can get your team ready, you can beat a lot of people. Any right. one given <clears throat> game. Doesn't mean you have to be better than another team. South Florida's not better than Florida, but they want for one night, they had a chance to beat them. They did. But I gotta find out who's playing hard and who's not. And and I gotta and I I'm gonna tell you right now, that football team would be watching the whole game together as a team. And I know I'd be pointing out the guys that were playing hard and the guys that weren't. And it would be uh because there's 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 no time, you know. Right. You, you, couldn't be in this position, but you are, and and uh, you you're gonna have to drastically do something. Uh, you, you, you get really, do you get really hard on your assistant coaches to coach those guys, to coach them hard too, to get on the players, or as far as with your assistants, things like that, or, or do you, or do you simplify things scheme schematically wise? Maybe they're, I don't know if they're doing too much, not enough. What, what, what? what? Again, I don't know I'm not there, but you certainly don't want to do too much at the point like this. You want to get guys that are going to play and uh, and 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 lay it on the line every snap. Whoever and you know, you know it's it's interesting. I talked to Bill Snyder when he was coaching at Kansas State. This was when I was at South Florida, and I told him I said, you know, we probably have about 25, 26, 27 guys that play their tail off every snap. Right, and I mean. It's hard to find guys that play that hard all the time. And here Bill Snyder had won the Big 12 a number of times. He goes, Jim, that's a great – that's really great. I We probably have about eight or nine. You know, <laughs> get, to get guys – and, and, and it made me rethink. To get guys to play lights out every snap, it's hard to find – you got a team of 110. How many guys are going to be playing for you that year? Probably about 38, 40 guys. Yep. That's it. And those are the guys you got to get ready. The rest of the guys are not ready. They're not ready to play yet. And out of those 38, 40 players, they need to play as hard as they possibly can play. Now, out of that group, obviously, that's not happening right now. So if you have somebody that's continually not playing hard, and but he's very talented, I don't care. It, 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 he can be as talented as he wants. And, and I can always have those one-on-one talks with the guy. But if he ain't doing it, it's not fair to your team. The number one thing you got to do is you got to play hard. That's something you can control. Uh, and then you're right. The scheme-wise, they probably have to – they certainly have to look at all of that. And I know those are good coaches. 
you know, they wouldn't be where they are right now if they weren't good coaches. So they're going to have to look in the mirror themselves, which they'll do. You don't have to yell at your coaches and scream at them and do all that. If they care about your program and you've hired the right guys, then they're going to be so hard on themselves that you don't need to. You know, it hurts them as how much you, as it. How do you teach a kid to play hard? You don't. Yeah. Well, you know, you teach, you teach somebody to play hard. You have depth. You have somebody that's playing behind them that takes his job. And that's the truth. That's a great you answer. Know, why the best motivator is somebody is somebody that's sitting right behind you pushing to start. And that's where you talked about where you might have to make some changes. You know, if you got, you know, try these other guys, um, you got to get people out there and play hard. If you don't play hard, you're not going to win. You have no chance. What kind of- and the scary part is a lot of times it's the kids that are not as talented that play the hardest. It's the kid that's undersized or just, is you know, whatever. Those are the kids on your team that play the hardest. And you hate to say it, they're just maybe not talented enough to be at that level to play all the time. But those are the kids you want so many of because they play so hard. They are talented. They are talented because they play hard, and that's the talent. And uh, so they are more talented than those guys, in my opinion. And then you go down to play, you know, FAU, and FAU goes to North Texas and gets beat. I know. Uh, and there's there's some issues, obviously, there. They're giving up a lot of points. And FAU should not be in that position. Uh, now, they play Rice this week at home, and they'll probably get after Rice, I, I think. Uh, so they've got a little bit better chance to get back in a winning column than South Florida. But South Florida's got a – uh, you know, they got to go up and just saying, just play, play their tail off and get into the fourth quarter with a chance to win. Right. But what people want to see, I would imagine, is guys playing hard, right. just playing it on the line. You know, people can deal with some losses here and there. It's hard to deal with a loss ever, but you can sometimes when you're really trying to build something back up, if guys will just lay it out there, uh, you know, and that's, that's the key to building anything. All right, I got an administrative question for you as the head coach. So Florida plays Eastern Washington over the weekend on Sunday. They, you know, they obviously they beat them handily. Talk to the audience about when you schedule these, when you're you, whether you're on the on the on the front end of scheduling these games, or if you're the or if you're the little guy in these games. How do these contracts get to, get negotiated? How does Florida find Eastern Washington of all teams to go play? How do, how do you negotiate whether you make a million dollars in the game or one point five? How do those things? come about as far as how much of a guaranteed dollars and those kind of things that, that a program makes for these kind of games comes down to how much you think you'll guarantee a win. Okay. You know, uh, obviously they, they try to get a lot of people to play them. Eastern Washington to fly all away. You know, that's going to be hard on them. You know, if, well, they're not going to be near as talented Florida. They're coming all the way across country. I've never heard of something like that happening much. And you're going to have to pay them a lot of money because you're going to have to pay for all their travel. Okay. And, you know, uh, you know, the hotels are the hotels. It's just more the travel, you know, flying all the way. Uh, those kind of programs are looking for money, you know, and they're paying them that way. But I did all our scheduling and I got all those kind of teams to come into play South Florida the first few years. Paul Griffin was kind enough to allow me to, okay. uh, to, to really be, um, be a real key. We worked together on it, but I really had, uh, a final say with him, you know, really on who we we're going to play. And the first year, basically, I did a lot of that scheduling. Yeah, I got Kentucky Weston to come down to play our first game for twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> How do you do that? You know, and I told him, I said, "Shoot, you, you!" And I knew they'd had to bust down, so I was happy about that. And um, 
And what I is, said, you know, what does an average weekend if you're if you're South Florida when you played Penn State, for example, just I'm just picking Penn State from back in the day. How much would it cost USF to travel to to Happy Valley for a weekend ballpark? Oh, oh that's gonna be hard. It's hard to know. Hundred hundred some thousand. Okay. I mean, we our normal price that we got for a lot of teams would pay us about six six fifty. Okay. <laughs> You know, to come and, and you want to make, you know, three or four hundred thousand off that if you can. Right. Uh, so, you know, no more than a couple hundred thousand. And if anybody knows that that's listening and if I'm way off, don't holler at me because <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. And, and certainly the numbers are different now. Sure. It's different than when I was, you know, coaching at South Florida. So I, I don't. I got you. No, the economics are different. It's just so much more money but now. So do most do most head coaches have a lot of say in their non-conference scheduling, or is it more the AD? AD. Okay. You know, pretty, pretty much AD controls that now, and very seldom. You know, if your AD is, is I think, legit and good, he's always going to talk to the head coach about yeah. schedule. Um, but it's hard. You know, of course, that's why you get in a conference, because most, most of your games are set. Remember, we were independent in South Florida. Right. It was getting really hard to schedule because nobody wanted to play us because we were we got you know we were pretty good. You were beating them. You were beating them in their place. Games we were winning some games. So you know, so now you're looking at just three or four games you got to get, but you got to make sure you win those non-conference games, and you got to hope you don't have an AD that. I mean, like you know, you look at South Florida right now. They're not they're not ready to play the uh, BYU's, Louisville's, and. You know, and uh, Florida's, uh, you know. All in the same year. That's the thing. They play them all. When you play them all in the same year, that's where it makes it hard. Well, they got Alabama coming in next year. It's um, Now, we did, and I don't know, you know, I mean, I never forget the year we played, man, played Miami down the Orange Bowl, and uh, we played at Penn State with Joe Paterno, and we played uh, Petrino with Louisville. And Florida, those were our first four games. We were fortunate to win two of them, but. We had some tough, tough schedules. Uh, <laughs> it was it was really hard, um, and uh, we we were fortunate to win a lot of close games. You know, so yeah. credit to you, coach. Credit to you. Well, I would. I don't like hearing that. You know that. I, you know, it's all about the staff. And it's all about, you know, it's all the other stuff. You know, and I realized that it was wasn't me at all. I just I had a good staff and good coaches, and the players had good leadership. You know, the guys played hard, and that that was it. And then certainly we had – I mean, the Tampa Bay community is unbelievable, and we had so much support. It was just – the support was incredible. So, you know, all those things together, you know, builds a team to win, you know. And, you know, we, we were never that great, I guess, but we won a bunch of games. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, last thing I'll get you out of here. So we got an interesting thing coming up Wednesday night. UCF gets moved to Wednesday night against SMU. Just talk about uh, how you as the coach would use these extra couple of days that you've had for pre- preparation, things like that, or is it just more fine-tuning the things you guys do? It'll be interesting to see how this game goes off on Wednesday night in, in Orlando. Again, and, it's it conference, really- and it's a conference game. UCF yeah. and SMU. We, we did it one time when I was just South Florida. In, in the, all the years I was there, we played UAB on a Wednesday night. Uh, and I forget why. I think it was really for TV. Personally, we were trying to get you know the conference out there, but uh, we ended up winning that game really, really big. There's a guy named Johnny Payton that had a great game. Some some people that are listening will remember that name. Um, and uh, we, uh, I mean, it was uh, 
it was different. What you, what you always do is you back up seven days. You try to make it just like game week would be as if Wednesday's right. a Saturday. And uh, you count your days back that way. And they certainly can do it a little bit. They'll try to get a little bit like that. You know, Central Florida's got to deal with the weather and all that that they had in Orlando. Uh, SMU, I'm telling you, those are two high-powered offenses. Right. The, the quarterback for um, uh, SMU is really, really good. And their backup is really, really good. And Isaac Slade, they got some good linebackers because uh, I was there last year at SMU. They've got some, they've got, they've got a good football team. Uh, this would be one heck of a game for a Wednesday night game. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch. It will be, no doubt about it, no doubt. Well, coach, appreciate the time this week. Glad you're safe. Hope your eyes, glad your eyes are okay. <laughs> Everything's good with the eyes and your eye exam. And look forward to talking to you next week on the Coach and the Kicker segment. Uh, I appreciate it, Jason. All right, we'll see you. All right, have a great week, Coach. We'll be right back in just a minute. College football and NFL football fans, we know that the season is cranked back up. Are you looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices? Take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner. And with the best selection of NCAA and NFL football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of the football season live and in person. Purchase your your tickets directly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. We've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more, and that code isn't just a one-time use. Use it this week. Use it next week. Use it Thanksgiving week. Use our code as many times as you want this football season for the best selection of college football and NFL seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections, pricing now with Ticket Smarter, and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation? Reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and Marketing Solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Do you need marketing pieces? 
Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print and print needs, Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. All right, welcome back to Florida Football Insiders. You heard from Coach Jim Levitt. Now we're going to bring on sideline reporter for the USF Bulls, longtime media member in the Tampa Bay market, worked for the Tampa Tribune for many, many years, Joey Johnston, Joey uh, Joey Johnston, communications.com. Joey does a lot of media work in the, in the Tampa Bay area still. Again, he's a sideline reporter for the part of the Bulls, USF Bulls broadcast. So we're going to bring Joey on, talk a little USF Bulls as well as some other things in the state of Florida. Welcome back, Joey. Jason, thanks for having me back. We got a lot to talk about, I think. We do, we do, we do. First off, before we get started, I got to find, I read something about you. I saw a note. Now, are you an old school $100,000 pyramid guy with Dick Clark? Or are you new school with Michael Strahan? I'm, I'm good with all of it, but I love the Dick Clark, obviously, where, where Dick would kind of lean over in sympathy <laughs> when they would just miss it, and then he would just almost come to tears for the poor, <laughs> poor person that just missed that $100,000. But, yeah, right. that's that's my all-time favorite game show for sure. That was I, in my I'm wheelhouse the, when I was a youngster. That, that would be maybe my bucket list if somehow I could get on the show one day. You know, that would be cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was great. They used to have some great celebrities and all the guys back yeah. in the seventies and eighties. And yeah, yeah, it's it's an acquire. I mean, it's it's a it's an unusual skill set where you have to get your hands bound behind your back, where you right. and, and you just you really have to stay calm. You have to stay calm. It's yeah. it's um, you know, and think clearly because if you start getting too excited, not going to work out. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's talk before we get to the state of Florida. Let me get your thoughts on a couple. We've had several coaching uh, dismissals so far through five weeks of the regular season. You know, some people that are familiar in the Tampa Bay area, Herm Edwards at Arizona State gets let go. You got Paul Christ up at Wisconsin and Darrell at uh, Colorado just got let go. Just your thoughts of the, the, the mindset of some of these administrations around the country making these midseason moves so quickly. Well, I think, first of all, I think we have five um... – major college jobs that have come open uh, and we're not even halfway through the season. And I think you have to go back, I don't know, a decade or more to have a, a total of five. Right. So clearly this is a, a new trend we're seeing this year, whether it's, you know, the, the, the money, the pressure to win the, the, the early signing day, some, there's some, some new dynamic in place where this is just caught on like wildfire because we haven't seen it like this ever. Right. Um, you know, Herm Edwards and, and Carl Durrell, I, I can't say I'm shocked with either of those guys. They were having some trouble getting things going. I'm completely shocked at Paul Christ, uh, 41 games over 500, uh, class guy, a complete winner, uh, did well in the Big Ten, uh, a very respectable, good program. Uh, I know they're off to a two and three start. They just lost to their former coach, Brett Bielema. Big time. Yeah. That's the big one. They yeah. got thumped by Bielema in their right. house, in yeah. their building. I still, it's still, it still isn't going down my throat very, very easily though. I, I'm still just shaking my head at the whole thing. And I, you know, I guess we, we're living in an age where these power five schools, they have so much money that $16 million buyout is just, uh, I don't know, chump change is the right word, but goodness, right. it's, it's definitely making my head spin. But Paul Chris by far is, is the one that made me stop in my tracks. I almost couldn't believe it when I heard it. 
Yeah, interesting. I, I, I get the sense just being a fan from the outside. I think the lack of the ability to either transition to the spread of some sort. I mean, they're just a pretty vanilla, and their margin of error is so low at Wisconsin. If that defense isn't playing great, their offensive, you know, whether it's yeah. scheme or whether it's quarterback play, whatever, they're just so vanilla on offense, it seems like. I think that's what – I think that's what ultimately doomed in Paul Christ. Well, two things I've heard, and I, I know a few Wisconsin people, and, and I think, number one, um, you know, I think they rush for two yards, yeah. and that – that's almost like a personal insult to, to a Wisconsin right. fan. I mean, they can't, they can't live with something like that. I think also it's, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm old enough and maybe you are too, to remember when Wisconsin was not a good football program by before any stretch. Barry, before Barry Alvarez. Yep. And when Barry Alvarez took the job and they got to the Rose bowl, the first time that was right. like a miracle. Right. Wisconsin was in the Rose Bowl. They've been back many times since. Right. But I think, um, you know, and this is true not only of Wisconsin, but many programs. I mean, you, you kind of forget who you are, who you are, and you you have this inflated opinion. I mean, Wisconsin's not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're, they're just not. They're, they're very good. Well, some years they're better than Michigan right. and Ohio State, but not consistently. So I think part of it might just be Wisconsin uh, has a higher opinion of itself than maybe is, is, is logical. Yeah. I mean, again, you're right. I mean, but again, it seems like, again, football has transitioned so much to the a different style of offense than they, when they were going to Rose bowls and I, and you're right, you're not getting a lot of elite players to go to Madison, Wisconsin, you know, as, yeah. as quarterbacks, receivers, those kind of guys, um, you know, and, and again, here's the other thing. Jim Leonard is a hot name as far other head coaching jobs and they're able to keep him potentially, by making him the interim coach. Yeah. And I, and I think that's certainly a part of it that, uh, that the threat of him leaving that they can lock him up. And not only that, they can give him eight games or whatever money they have left to, to kind of audition and see if he's, he's the guy for them moving forward. I think, I think ultimately he's going to be the guy cause he's right. a Wisconsin, uh, through and through, but, um, you know, all, whether, <laughs> whether that's the factor or not, it's still, yeah. We're still talking about a 67 and 26 coach right. that just got fired five games into a season. Right. Uh, we've never seen anything like that before. I mean, like ever. <laughs> you're, no, so. you're right. You're right. It's a different world. I mean, with all the money that's being flowed in with these TV contracts, I mean, they, you, you, they probably have a little more uh, flush money than they used to have. And maybe that's the reason why they're able to make this kind of move. Yeah, I guess so. And, um, yeah, the funny thing is, I mean, Wisconsin could still win their division. Yeah. <laughs> they still, they still might end up in a big bowl. Yep. I mean, they're only two and three. Uh, right. You know, again, it's it's um, it's so well before the time we're used to pushing a panic button. Any of us uh, for any team that it's just it's just hard to get used to uh, that sort of thing. But I guess particularly as we move into the the era of these major conferences. We may see this more and more. I mean, because in these Big Ten and SEC new alignments, uh, you know, there's going to be some te- some brand name teams that aren't going to have good records. Yeah. Somebody's got to lose these games, right? And somebody, somebody's got to be in the middle of the of of the of the pack or or, or at the bottom. Right. So um, we may be see we may be seeing a rude awakening uh, for some of these schools that uh, that you know you, you look at the SEC or the Big Ten and you're a you're kind of a, a middle middle kind of contender uh, how are you going to climb over five or six teams to, to win, ever win a conference title again i mean and and we see oklahoma and texas right struggling 
in the Big 12 right now. Uh, what are they going to do in the SEC? I mean, they're not <laughs> they're, they're certainly not thumping their Big 12 competition. So and they're about to go up in class quite a bit in a few years. All right, let's get to the state of Florida, the team you cover, USF Bulls. Again, back to the you know situation where the coach is a little bit feeling some heat down here in the Tampa Bay area. You know, it's not. I don't think again for me, it's not that they're losing games; it's the way they're losing games. You know, you play you play really well against Florida, should win the game. Honestly, if you if you're objective about it, they they were the better team that night in Gainesville. You don't win the game, then you come out the next two weeks and lay two let two eggs, and you get blown out early in both games. What do you see just from the from the pro from the from the Bulls roster of where these slow starts are coming from? What does Jeff Scott think these what is it attributing to these slow starts? Well, I think number one, the first thing I see is just a, a disorganization and, and not playing well on defense early in the game. I mean, against BYU, it was it was as simple as they couldn't get lined up. Right. I mean, they couldn't. They couldn't get the signal in in time, and they, they their guys were not in the right position. And, and there were a couple of touchdowns where the BYU player ran right past a defensive back who just wasn't in the right place. So, I mean, certainly that's coaching and that's preparation. Right. Um, you know, a couple of other games, uh, Louisville, and then this past week against East Carolina, again, the first quarter, it just got away so quickly. Right. That the game was out of hand. Uh, in those three games, BYU, Louisville, in East Carolina, I believe the stat is uh, the opponents have outscored USF in the first half, 107 to 14. Right. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Uh, to USF's credit, they did rally in the they second did. half. East Carolina um, played a lot better. But again, it's sort of like, you know, at that point, uh, the game is, is so far stretched out that, that, you know, people have shut the TV off by then. Right. You don't really pay that much attention to it. But I don't think they've quit. I think they're still trying. I, th I think they do have some some talent and some skill on that roster. But at, at one and four, and now it's a mental game to, sure. to just keep going and keep pushing and, and try to reverse this because it's a hard thing to do. Once that boulder starts rolling down the hill, it's hard to get it back up the hill. So that's their challenge right now. And what's, 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 I guess, even more disappointing that it's both sides of the ball. It's not like it's the offense that's going out and scoring, but the defense can't stop. They're both struggling mightily in the first half. It's not like it, it's not like it's 28 to 21 at the half. Both sides of the ball are struggling. So, you're again, you're getting behind huge deficits so early in the game, middle of the second quarter. The game, I won't say it's over, but it's virtually over. Yeah, uh, I will say this. I, th I think the biggest concern is on defense. They're um, in the latest stats. They're 127th in the nation. Yeah. And that's out of 131 teams. Uh, they're not much better on offense at 102 out of right. 131. But I, I will say that the quarterback and the skill players at times have, have shown a great ability to move the ball. I, I yep. certainly see more hope mm -hmm. on offense than I do defense. And defense, not only this season, but last year and the year before, has, has just been crazy bad. Uh, I mean, so many games with 500 yards allowed, uh, I can't even count them up. There, there's many. So yeah. uh, that's just not a good standard. If you, if you uh, allow 500 yards or uh, 30 plus points every single night out that you're not giving yourself even a chance to win the game. Yeah. I was talking again, talking to coach Levitt as part of our coaching the kicker segment, just before you were on, you know, we were talking about, again, they both had both coordinators are new at USF defensive and offensive coordinators. And we right. talked about maybe simplifying the scheme. I don't know how, we, we, we obviously we don't know how complex they're going or not going as far as scheme, but maybe a simplify thing, especially on defense. Let's let's figure out the things we can do well and not try to get too schematically advanced 
when we're not ready to do that yet. Yeah. And the other part of it is that, and this is true of a lot of teams, they've had a lot of injuries. So they've had, you know, like last week, for example, a couple of the touchdowns were given up by the third string cornerback. Right. Um, you know, not to disparage that kid, but, you know, right. they're down to the third string cornerback. So, right. um, you know, they're having some personnel issues maybe don't have the depth they expected. So, but you know, like, like any team, you got to play through that. You got to figure out a way. I think that, again, I think this will be a critical six or seven weeks for coach Scott. I know there's some heat building here in the area. Who knows what the administration's thinking, but again, not that you, you got to be competitive in some of these games. You got a couple more tough matchups, but you got some other games down the road that are winnable games. And again, not that you have to win five games, but you need to be competitive and not continue to get blown out. Here, here's, here's the problem. They're one and four. Yep. Uh, they've got, they go to Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati has not lost a home game since 2017. Right. Uh, they're, they're very good as you know, so that's, that's going to be a tough one. And then after that, they come home to play Tulane yep. and Tulane's got it going. They look great the other night. Uh, looks like coach Fritz has got them yep. on a, on a big trajectory and, and I'm very impressed with Tulane so far. So, and then, the, and then the bye week so let's say things don't go well the next two weeks. You're sitting at one and six during a bye week. Right. Oh, what, what usually happens during a bye week? You know, it's just not a good scenario. Right. Uh, there, there's, there's some winnable games, as you said, on the schedule, but um, it's very logical to think that they could go one and six, and that's, that's going to go down hard right. for the USF fans to have to sit with that through a bye week. I got you. All right, let's, let's, let's transition to a couple other places around the state. Let's go to Tallahassee. Obviously, four and zero start. They lose to Wake Forest over the weekend. They're still in the mix in the uh, in the Atlantic. They got NC State, Clemson. If you can win those two games, you're atop of the you're atop of the Atlantic. Um, you know, what are your thoughts just through four or five five games with Mike Norvell? Seems like he's turned the culture around there, and they're they're on the uptick. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty encouraged with what Mike Norvell's done at in Tallahassee. Obviously, it was a it was a, a really a wildly entertaining game when they beat LSU, a fun yeah. game, just a, a probably gave heart attacks to fans from both sides of the game with the way it ended, but um, great start. Uh, it's still probably for longtime FSU fans sounds difficult to lose to Wake Forest, but Wake right. Forest is not the old Wake Forest. It's, it's a good version of Wake Forest. It's a good team. It would have been a great win to get, it uh, but it didn't go their way. But as you said, they've got a lot of games on, left on their schedule that they can control it. I, I clearly they're on the upswing. Clearly they're moving forward. They're making progress. That's the biggest thing, but you know, for, you compare them to, to USF situation, you don't necessarily see that progress at right. FSU. You, you clearly see the progress. Right. And right. now, now we'll see if they can take a step to, you know, contend for a conference title. It's going to be right in their lap to do it. So they got to produce weeks. But, next yeah, two weeks, they, but they put themselves in position so clearly they've moved forward. So I think, you know, if there were questions about Mike Norvell, I think they've quelled a little bit. The, the noise has gotten quieter. Right. And uh, if they can take care of business, I think, you know, he'll, uh, he'll have them right back where, where all the Seminole fans want him to be. Let's go down to Miami. Mario Cristobal, tough last couple of weeks. They had a bye week last week. Again, the terrible loss to Middle Tennessee. You know, ex- Texas A&M, you can, you can excuse that loss, even though they – very easily could have won the game, but the middle Tennessee effort was, was pathetic. And in, in most people's eyes, again, they're fortunate. They're they've, they've not played any conference games yet. So all the conference games on their side is, is right in front of them. They have a pretty manageable schedule on their side of the divi- their division. Um, what do you see out of Mario in year one down there? Well, first of all, the, the middle Tennessee game is it's one of the most puzzling results I've seen in this state in a long time. That yeah. would, 
that would be one that I wouldn't have even entertained a possibility of losing, but they did. Uh, so I think at this point we have to kind of figure Miami is, is sort of the Miami we've seen a lot of in the last few years, very inconsistent, uh, very talented, but very inconsistent. So we're not quite sure what to, what to make of them yet. I, I think Mario Cristobal is the guy for Miami. I think he's going to have success there. Maybe it won't come this year, but I, I do think he was a great hire. I think he's going to get it going and get the recruiting at a much higher level. Um, you know, I think maybe the expectations got a little inflated early in the season and that, that right. tends to happen in Miami. Uh, but again, it's, uh, you know, they've got to win their conference games. Certainly beating Florida state would be a big, big thing for Miami right. to do. Right. And, and the reverse Florida state beat Miami would a big, be big for FSU. So the FSU Miami game, very big this year for both sides to, to move forward. So, but, but Miami, I, you know, until I see different, they're a, they're a seven and five, eight and four kind of team looks like. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll get one more. We'll go to, let's go to Gainesville. Obviously I think, I think most people would realize, would, would agree. This is not a vintage Florida team. I think they're decent. They're not great. Richardson's had been yo-yo up and down. Great game at Tennessee. Lousy against Kentucky. You know, I think that's what you're going to see until he plays more and more games. People don't realize he's only started like four games. He's not, right. it's only his fourth or fifth start. So it's not like he started a bunch of games, but I think Napier is going to is, is building it too. I think you're, this probably will be a seven and five kind of year in Gainesville, but I think Napier seems like he's the right guy. I think so too. And I think uh, he's going to be the guy that's going to really get the recruiting at a high level and they're going to have a lot of talent in the next two or three years in Gainesville. And I think they will build it to the point where they will contend for SEC titles. They will be able to, to strap it on against Alabama and Georgia and those, and those schools again, not yet, but, but in a yep. couple of years, um, Richardson is, is an enigma, uh, extremely talented, but makes crazy mistakes, made a lot against USF in the game I attended. Yep. Uh, but you know, boy, when he's rolling, his upside is, is through the roof. Um, I think, uh, like you said, they're, they're more of an average sort of a team. They'll, they'll go to a bowl game. They'll, you know, and then they'll look to get better. I do think they're going to beat somebody. They're going to upset somebody down the line. I don't know if it's going to be Georgia or somebody like that. If they can right. get that big. But I do think Billy Napier will get an unexpected victory at some point in this first season. All right. Who do you think nationally? Who do you think outside of Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, who's the fourth or fifth best team in the country in your mind? Well, I do like USC. They're off to a great start. Um, with Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, a lot, they're, they're under the radar being the West coast team. A lot of their, a lot of their games start late. Yeah. And, and I don't know that they were, they were picked that high to start the season. So they don't have really that profile, but as, as they keep moving through an undefeated season, I think it's going to be tougher and tougher to ignore them. Yep. So I would, I would certainly, certainly look to them. Uh, I, I think Michigan has a chance too in the big 10, uh, uh, you know, by all accounts, it'll go down to the, uh, the last game of the year again against Ohio state to maybe decide uh, who wins that conference. Uh, but you know, what we've seen in college football for the most part, it's a, it's a pretty tightly packed club at the top and we don't see a lot of change in that club. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state. I mean, how many times have we seen those guys in the playoffs uh, the last uh, eight, eight or nine years looks to be the same kind of thing. USC, has never been in the playoff. Uh, yeah. And that, that would be a, and Pac-12 hasn't really been there much. So that would be a, a way to change it up a little bit. Uh, I'm not, not seeing the the little guys out there, you know, the Cincinnati's of the world. Right. Uh, not this year. Not, not this not year. year. No, not that, not that team. There's we've got some interesting little guys that have gotten some great wins. I, I love the, 
love what I've seen from the Sun Belt so far. Some of those, some of those results. But I think when all is said and done, you know, we we might be looking at Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Ohio State. You know, the the kind of the the same thing that we that we've seen before. I think Clemson's going to have to work to get to keep. I agree. Its status and I, uh, you know, get, look looking forward to Florida State Clemson uh, in a lot of ways on both sides. See how both schools perform in that game. That'll be that'll be fascinating. Yeah, like I said, and, and people don't realize if you didn't watch the Alabama game Saturday. Remember Jalen? I mean uh, Bryce Young gets hurt. They were up big, but uh, Arkansas had third and fifteen in the in a 28-23 game, and the in the backup quarterback runs seventy five yards on a on a scramble play on third and fifteen. Or that game is not a nineteen point game. I mean, that, that game That's probably right. goes to the wire if he doesn't run seventy five yards on third and fifteen. So, if, if, depending on how long Bryce Young's out, Alabama could be vulnerable here in a you know in a couple games during the the, the, the latter run here. So, um, all right, Joey, appreciate the time, man. Great insight. I'm a Dick Clark fan. You're, I'm, I'm, I'm a Dick Clark and uh, well, LeVar, you know, LeVar Burton and Nipsey Russell and all those guys. <laughs> uh, you know, I think one day, and, and this is a sad commentary on both of us, maybe when college football season's over, maybe we get together and watch some old reruns of uh, $100,000 Pyramid. Only, only you and I would find that an interesting night, but we'd probably have a good time. That's right. That's right. Well, Joey, tell everybody where they can find you online and uh, how can they find the Bulls broadcast online as well? Well, we we're on uh, Bulls Unlimited, which is part of the TuneIn network, and and but the uh, the over the air network is on the Bone 102.5 this year in the Tampa Bay uh, area. Yeah, yep, Tampa Bay area. Yeah, a great, a powerful station on the FM. And uh, as, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at at, at Joey Johnston 813 813 area code. So Joey, and Joey, oh. Joey, I, I I'm going to tell Joey this. He he knows this. Back when I was playing high school football, Joey used to write stories about the high school scene i think he actually wrote it he probably included my name in one of those stories a long I hope time I ago Kicking I it high right. not, not, yeah not a hard hard name to spell but i hope i spelled it right but I, yeah i'm you know like you i grew up here and i still you know hey every uh, saturday well not saturdays with all the rain and hurricanes we've been having what mondays or tuesdays i'm i'm looking for those scores and i'll, I'll still go to a game here and there but i still still like to keep up with who's who's good in the area. And, uh, you know, we, as you know, we see tons of tons of guys from this area. Yeah. We watch play on Saturday and then we ultimately watch play on Sunday. So we've got, got a lot of football players from Tampa Bay area. They're doing great things. I'll tell you a good story. We, uh, so the fans, we made up for the, the week of the hurricane, the high school games got canceled and we made them up on Monday night, October the 3rd. And guess who was the coach in my game at plant city high school. We know we're getting old. Bucks wide receiver and former LSU Michael Clayton was the head coach at Plant City in the game okay. that I refereed on Monday yeah, night. Okay. So you All know right. we're getting old then when we're refereeing Michael Clayton okay. as the head coach. You got you had you had the Plant City Alonzo game, huh? I did. Yep. Yeah. So that was that's a good win for Michael Clayton because Alonzo had been, yep. been doing pretty well. And I, I 37 to 12, something yep, similar. That's right. Play. Yeah. A lot of penalties. Very good. A lot of penalties. A lot of, yeah. Well, Plant, he's you know, that's interesting. He stepped into an interesting situation. Plant City's is still one of those small town kind of places where you can build it. He can be good and there. It, and and they can they yeah, get players over can, there. He can win there. He can win there. So um, I, I expect he will win there. Maybe yeah. not immediately, but but that's a great situation to be in. So uh, interesting. And another that, guy, uh, another guy that I know you know, a Tampa guy that played at Miami was the offensive court is the offensive coordinator for Michael Kenny Kelly. I did not know that. Well, Kenny, Kenny Kelly's, Kelly's father. OC. 
Kenny Kelly's father, Floyd Kelly, uh, the late Floyd Kelly, was the uh, longtime Plant City head coach okay. and, and assistant coach. Uh, so Kenny Kelly, you know, we think Tampa Catholic, but Pam, yep. Kenny Kelly's a Plant City kid yep. who just happened to go to Tampa Catholic, but he is he has Plant City roots. That's why that's interesting. Michael Clayton is the head coach and Kenny Kelly as the OC. Yep. And then we have Mike Williams at Wharton. Yes, which I've had him this coach. year too. And they That's got a, a good team. You know, the head coaches in this county could put on could could play like an alumni game and it'd be pretty <laughs> yeah. good. You That's know? right. Kenny Kelly could be the quarterback with Clayton and Michael Williams on each side. That'd be no, a lot of te- that'd be a lot of teams nowadays. That would be a good college fantasy draft right there. <laughs> no question. That's right. And then you got yeah. Martin Gramatica helping out at Cambridge Christian. He could be the kicker, and we'd yeah. have a hell of a team. Yeah, yeah. And there's you know again something only we would do we could probably get the rosters of the coaches and probably put a team together that's you know right. a good team that's right that's right yeah. well joey appreciate the time man keep up the good work and uh good luck to the bulls as we move forward and we'll talk real soon okay thanks jason appreciate it man all right thanks thanks for listening to the florida football insiders podcast as part of the college gridiron coast to coast podcast net- network Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you've not already done so. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at Sports. Love to hear your comments and feedback about our episodes and any program suggestions moving forward. Check out our video interviews as well on my YouTube channel, Jason Powers Sports Channel. And we'll see you next week on the Florida Football Insiders Podcast.